Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to the In The Truck Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Dennis M. Brown. Today's show is brought to you by my book, available on Amazon.com, The Toxic Masculinity Crisis. So traditional masculinity and traditional values are under assault from the social justice warrior left. The Toxic Masculinity Crisis is like a little handbook for everybody, not just for men, about what men are and why they are the way they are and why it's good. Some good stories, some retelling of some old stories, and some little anecdotes. Just generally, sort of a masculinity positive, patriarchy positive book. So check that out. It's also available on Kindle at the Kindle Marketplace or Kindle Store or whatever they call it. I don't know because I don't have a Kindle. I don't know what happened with the last episode of the podcast about Andrew Cuomo, King Andy. Um, For some reason or other, it was very popular. (laughs) Which I feel puts a lot of pressure on me. So, it got about four times as many listeners as a normal episode... And so I recorded an episode yesterday and then I decided it wasn't good enough to follow up with that. So hopefully, <laughs> so I deleted it. So hopefully today is better. One of the nice things about the podcast sort of growing very slowly is I kind of feel free to do whatever the heck I want. So I've had some cool guests and I've had a lot of not guests and uh, they're all of varying lengths, kind of however long I feel like talking about a topic but now <laughs> but after Friday's episode and Friday traditionally is the worst day that's the other thing that kind of blew me away in the past when I did a Friday episode that would be the worst one because it would come out Friday evening late and then I don't think it's the weekend I don't listen to podcasts on the weekend so I just assume no one else does either and then the Friday episodes would never do well and I don't even pay a lot of attention to it but I do peak at times to sort of see but I just had noticed as a trend Friday was not the best day but for some reason this past one um, a lot of people listen to it so now I feel like I need a good one because hopefully all those people told a friend and bought the book and are listening today so yesterday's episode <laughs> episode was kind of just a recap about my weekend And when I got done, I listened to it and thought, nah, not good enough. But I will briefly talk about the weekend. So I took my son to New York City, which I despise. And not a secret. Everyone knows I loathe New York City. Um, Every time New York City comes up, I'm such a jerk that I can't help myself but express my distaste for it. But the only thing I hate more than New York City is the idea of my children being in New York City without me. So my father decided he was going to take my son to the Natural History Museum to see the dinosaur fossils because my son's six. So he's obsessed with dinosaurs. So I had to go because he couldn't, I couldn't let him go without me. So I went. So the funny thing was we were in the Natural History Museum for probably about 45 minutes, maybe an hour. And the last 15 minutes of it or so, he was done. 
he'd had enough. So we saw T-Rex. We saw a bunch of cool stuff. Then, uh, then he was done. So I had to drag him in to like see Triceratops. Who normally he's he's big on Triceratops. And then Stegosaurus. He was big. And he told me, and he might be right because he knows a ton about dinosaurs, that they goofed up the Stegosaurus. That the tail spikes were in the wrong position at the Natural History Museum. So I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what he told me. So then we were outside, sort of having a snack, deciding what to do next. And across the street from the Natural History Museum in New York City is Central Park. And he's like, what's that? And I said, oh, that's Central Park. And Central Park is enormous, so when you look across the street, you just see, it's like the woods. So you're on a city street, and across the street is the woods. So he's like, what's that? I said, Central Park. And he's like, I want to go over there. I said, what do you want to do over there? He's like, I want to play on the playground. I was like, buddy, I don't think they have playgrounds in there. I go, it's not really that kind of a park. Because at home, we play in the woods all the time, but that's not the park. The park is where the playground is. So I'm like, ah, it's a different kind of park. And he's like, I want to go over there. I'm like, all right. So we go over there, and he finds this big rock to climb on. And so after like a half an hour watching him climb up and down this boulder, (laughs) I was like, all right, come on. Let's, Let's go walk around a little bit. So we go for a walk and we're walking along and then he finds another one. A much bigger boulder, much steeper sides, which he's totally into rock climbing. So he's like, can I climb that? And I'm like, all right, go ahead. So I let him go over there and I'm standing at the bottom underneath him so when he falls, I can catch him. And he climbs right up to the top and doesn't fall. So now I got to go up there because I don't know what's up there. So we go up there and then the other side of this boulder is a, I mean, this is huge. The thing's like, 12, 15 feet high, probably 40 feet across. On the other side of the boulder is a pond. And in the pond are turtles. So the entire the rest of the day in New York City <laughs> consisted of my father and I sitting on a bench watching my son mess with turtles. He was feeding them pretzels. He was getting them to fight each other. It's pretty funny. So you can take a country boy to the city and apparently he just finds some country and plays in it. So that was New York my recap of the weekend and then on Sunday after church I mowed the grass which I know we all learned that having a lawn is an act of white supremacy so apparently I was maintaining my white supremacy in the afternoon on Sunday but you know it's got to get done my wife came up with this idea I told my wife that I needed the kids to come outside and pick up sticks which they didn't want to do so she told them she'd pay them a nickel a stick and I was like, have you ever been outside in the yard? <laughs> in the yard? There's thousands of sticks. I'm like, you can't pay them five cents a stick. My whole paycheck is going to paying kids to pick up sticks. So they go out there and they're picking up sticks. And I was like, what the heck? So they're running around like mad people because they're realizing like every 20 sticks is a dollar. And I'm just thinking, I'm going to go bankrupt. <laughs> the kids picking up sticks. But then they gave me my out because... I caught him breaking sticks in half. So I canceled the whole deal. Of course, then they didn't want to pick up sticks anymore because they weren't getting paid. But then my wife told me she'd pay him each five bucks. So in the end, it cost me $15 because only three of the four kids were picking up sticks. But whatever. I was not in favor of this plan, but it worked out. It worked out all right. So Canada's prime minister was in Quebec giving a speech some sort of outdoor event. I don't know if you're familiar with Canada's Prime Minister. He looks like Fidel Castro's son. Like they look like twins. 
And I guess Fidel Castro and his mom were friends, which makes it kind of weird that he looks like Fidel Castro. But he's like the uber-communist uh, prime minister of Canada. He's like super progressive. And he, I don't know what he's famous for. He travels around the world and like dresses up in the clothes of the places he goes and then does like folk dancing and stuff. He's a bizarre guy. But his big thing is he was super into the refugees and thought it was really evil of Donald Trump to not want to take all the refugees in America. So he said he'd take all the refugees. So they started showing up in Canada. And then the Canadians were like, wait, 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 what? And I think he was calling them new Canadians or something. He was basically, he determined that like anyone who showed up in Canada, illegal immigrant, was a Canadian. It was like this weird thing he had going on. I have to be honest, I pay very little attention to Canada. <laughs> so, unless Canada brings itself down to the United States with some sort of big news, I'm not really paying a whole lot of attention to what's going on up there, but I know they have this nutty, super progressive prime minister. So he's at this outdoor event giving his little speech, and some lady starts heckling him from the crowd. And she asks him, this is the question, quote, when are we getting a refund for the $146 million you gave illegal immigrants? That seems a legitimate question. You know, the qu a question about fiscal policy from a taxpayer. <laughs> it's pretty simple and straightforward. Canada's a weird place. Like they, I didn't know about this until Jordan Peterson debacle and Bill C-16, where they made it illegal for you not to say the pronouns someone told you to say. They have these human rights commissions or councils or something. It's basically an extrajudicial extra committee that can levy fines and punishments on citizens for wrong speak. So just like in England, you can be arrested for telling jokes. In Canada, you can be fined and be labeled as a human rights violator for saying the wrong words, which is how Jordan Peterson became famous. But when that whole thing came out, I was like, wait, they have a human rights commission? What? <laughs> so ridiculous. But anyway, so she asks this legitimate fiscal question, like, hey, your plan to allow these people to come to Canada costs Canadian taxpayers $146 million. And I would like to know what your plan is to get that money back. And I don't think Canada's like the U.S. I don't think they run a trillion dollars a year in deficits. You know, like in the U.S., we have programs to study frog mating that cost $146 million, that would be no big deal. But in Canada, I, I think most of their budget goes to uh, healthcare. And, you know, it's a little military, a little whatever, but I think a lot of it is healthcare. I don't think they have a big, crazy budget deficits. I don't think they run trillion-dollar deficits like we do. So $146 million, even if it's Canadian dollars, which is like Panoply money, is a big deal. So you'd think, right? Here's a prime minister. He's giving a speech. The lady's yelling from the crowd. He's got two choices, right? He can either answer her question 
he could explain to her how he plans on raising the money to pay for the $146 million. If that's true, if that's correct. Or he could correct her and say, no, it didn't cost $146 million. It cost less or more or whatever the case may be. You know, that money already was available. I don't know. He could, he could go at it from a fiscal standpoint and answer the question. Or because he's giving a speech in front of a crowd, he could just ignore her. I tend to think that's what I would do. I tend to think what I would do if I was giving a speech and someone started screaming at me from the crowd, I'd say, hey, let me finish. And then at the end, we'll have some questions and answers and I, you'll go first. You're obviously very excited about your question. And that would serve multiple purposes. One is it would, it would show you recognizing that this person who's opposed to you is gonna be seen, heard, whatever. The other thing is it would give you a bunch of time to think about your answer because you already know what her question's gonna be. And then you could come up with some kind of an answer. He did neither thing. He did not answer her question, nor did he ignore her. He stopped his speech, turned to the woman, and said, racism has no place in Quebec. Not even Canada, not even the entire country, racism racism has no place in Quebec. So she said, hey, how are you gonna pay for it? This program. <laughs> and his response is to say, in essence, that anyone who questions spending money on refugees or illegal immigrants or migrants or whatever you wanna call them, non-citizens, is a racist. You can't ask a question in public about money the government spends, your tax money that the government spends. And now in the US, it's a little different because they're not spending your tax money per se, they already spent that. They're spending your grandkids' tax money at this point. But apparently asking a question about how that money is spent is racist. Like wanting to build a wall is racist and wanting to deport heroin dealers is racist and wanting to deport rapists is racist. If you oppose a progressive policy, you're racist. So if the progressives want to bring in people from Africa and the Middle East to Canada and you want to know how they're paying for it, you're going to get called out by your prime minister, the elected leader of your country, in public, on television, as being a racist. Never mind that since the policy was implemented, Canada has started seeing Islamic terror attacks, which they didn't have before. So you have a new policy to bring people in who are not Canadians, treat them like Canadians, spend $146 million of taxpayer money, and in the process, and I'm sure 90% or 95% of the people who've come over are wonderful people, but in the process of bringing those wonderful people over, you've brought over some terrorists. Which is a problem. <laughs> There's no way to look at that and be like, oh, it's great. It's great that people are being murdered by terrorists. No, it's not great. And it costs a bunch of money. And the lady asked you like, hey, how are you gonna pay for it? And you're like, oh, you're a racist. What? It's so ridiculous. But that's where the left has gone. They literally can't answer for anything. There's not a policy that they're willing to discuss. There's not a position that they're willing to defend. Either you agree, either you fall in line, lockstep, and everything that the farthest progressive left wants to do, or you're literally Hitler. 
Those are your only two choices. So if you have questions about something, you're a racist. If you think that a policy that they've proposed is a bad idea or won't work or any number of concerns about something that's being done, you're a Nazi. That's how it works. There was a debate, some kind of televised debate between two Italian politicians, and I honestly don't know who they were. I have no idea. Um, but one, one was in favor of bringing uh, migrants to Italy, and one was opposed to it. The one who was opposed was talking about how the migrants are being treated very well. They were being put in hotels, uh, and, the, and the government was paying for it, or they are paying for it, and they were getting three meals a day, and apparently they were also getting cigarettes as part of some government program. And the one who was opposed to it was saying, you know, it's a problem because there are actual Italians who are homeless living in their cars or living in the street. And if we have money to put people in hotels, we should take care of our own homeless people first. I tend to agree with that. I mean, I, I'm not a huge fan of government stepping in and putting up people in hotels and giving them three meals a day and a pack of cigarettes. But once you've decided to do that, I would think that you do it for your own citizens first who either are taxpayers, were taxpayers, or are related to taxpayers. You'd think that would be your first priority, would be to take care of your own people. And the other gentleman didn't want to answer specifics. So he was saying, hey, you know, a couple of questions he asked over and over again. One of them was, who pays your salary, Italian taxpayers or these migrants? And the guy who was in favor of didn't want to answer that question. And he asked over, and the, the, uh, the gentleman who was against it asked over and over again, are they being put up in hotels and given three meals a day? Are they being put up in hotels and given three meals a day? And the guy who was in favor finally had to say yes, but he didn't, didn't want to answer the question. I think the reason he doesn't want to answer the question is because they know it looks really bad. Like if you spend $146 million and bring a bunch of people to Canada and get terrorist attacks, it looks bad. And even if you think it's wonderful, you know it looks bad, right? So you can't answer the question, defend the policy, or defend the expenditure, or just defend your position. So rather than even try, you just call everyone racist. And that was the Italian thing, too. The guy who was in favor of bringing the migrants through had two things to say. That that's what Europe is doing. You know, basically, we're Europeans, and Europe's doing that. Um, he kept repeating what percentage of the migrants didn't stay in Italy kept going back to, kept going on to other countries in Europe. And calling the guy who was opposed to it a propagandist and a racist. <laughs> At no point, have you noticed this? At no point in these discussions with the, you know, whatever, the five-year-old refugee crisis in Europe, and it's not really that much of a crisis in the United States. You know, Obama wanted to bring some Syrian refugees here. It didn't really get very far. I think there's a few hundred thousand. In a country of 300 million people or 300 or whatever million people, I don't see how it's really a big deal. It's not a lot of people, but... In Europe, it's been mind-blowingly a large number. I think it was many that the population is been dramatically, I mean, the the, uh, the number of migrants they've let come in Germany is in the millions. And Germany's not that big of a country. But nobody who's in favor of, of that, those programs, nobody's in favor of this mass migration. And I'm not saying you can't be in favor of it. That's fine. If you're in favor of it, that's fine. But I've yet to hear a comprehensive, well thought out, logical explanation for why they're in favor of it. 
Just that if you don't agree, you're a racist. Or if you don't want them, you're a Nazi. Or a white supremacist. Or any number of things. And certainly, white supremacists and Nazis and, and uh, racial identitarians are opposed to it. I get that. But not everyone who's opposed to it is opposed to it for that reason. There are people who are opposed to it for fiscal reasons. There's people who are opposed to it for cultural reasons. There's people who are opposed to it because they don't like specifically the way the program is being played out. There's people who are opposed to it because uh, it's not families coming, it's large groups of young, unattached men. There's all kinds of different... There's people opposed to it because it has increased the number of terror attacks in Europe. The most alarming of which is the... Uh, and I guess it's not... Maybe it is and maybe it isn't terrorism, but the, the rape statistics in Sweden are... Un, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. Basically, before there was no rape in Sweden, and now there's tons of rape in Sweden. And then the Swedish government's response was to ban telling, ban the police from telling the media the race of the perpetrator because they thought it would make Swedish people hate migrants. Well, if they're the ones raping people, maybe you have a right to be a little concerned. Nope, you're a racist. So yeah, it's just so alarming to see this guy. He's a prime minister. He's the leader of a, of a major Western nation. They were fought on the next of Britain and America and France and both world wars. They were involved with us in, in, uh, in the war on terror. I believe the longest sniper shot in history is a Canadian sniper. You know, we've had great relationship with them for a long, long time. And this guy is so wacky. He's so out there. You know, and it's one of those funny things. A little left is fine. So, like, I'm not left, like, obviously, whatever. But a little left, I get. You're like, hey, we should take care of these people. Like, uh, all right, I get it. I get it. I get why you want to do it. I get why it's good. I'd be happy to explain why I don't agree. I'm also fine to lose some of those debates. Like, okay, all right. Okay, we'll help some people. Fine. So Canada, I think, has always been a little more left than the U.S. Part of the reason that works is because it's a tiny country with nobody in it. I mean, it's not a, it's not a tiny country by area. It's an enormous country, but there's just nobody living there. But anyway, they've gone full-on social justice warrior wacky. I mean, the Bill C-16 thing that, Jordan, that thrust Jordan Peterson into international fame and fortune, that kind of stuff is wacky. The idea of having, you know, the, the Human Rights Council, which is essentially the, the French Committee on Public Safety, right? I mean, they just drag out the guillotine and start lopping off heads. Only they're not actually decapitating people they're just ruining their careers and reputations finding them money like it's not good it's not good people but the prime minister is just so left so progressive he just comes off as incredibly wimpy what was the quote he said something one time about how um, you couldn't win a war if you killed people Something like that. Or killing people was... You could, no war where you killed people did you, could you win the war. I mean, just really left. Like, he belongs in California in a commune. And somehow he's... I guess he's ambitious enough to become prime minister of a country. 
And the footage of him dressed up in that Indian traditional garb on some state visit dancing to traditional Indian music is it's just too much. It's unbelievable. He just, like, lower himself to that level. You're supposed to be dignified. My goodness. You know, people talk about Trump not being presidential enough, and I get that. Like, I get what they're saying. He's a little rough around the edges. He's not super dignified. But good Lord, at least he's not prancing around like a little fairy. There's nothing worse. Like, if I saw an Indian man dressed up in traditional Indian garb dancing to Indian music, I'd be like, oh, that's cool. Like, oh, all right. It's a, that's his thing. Like, that's his culture. That means something to him. doesn't mean anything to me, but it's cool to see it. I like to see other cultures. I, I think they're great. You know, that's fine. As long as you're not raping kids. Like, all right, that's cool. Or eating people. I guess those are my only two. If your culture doesn't, doesn't involve those two things, I'm, I'm okay with it. And it, it can be very fascinating. But as a Westerner with no connection to it, to go over to another country and try, and try to try to ingratiate yourself with the locals by dressing up in their clothes and dancing around. It's just embarrassing. And I'm not big on the no culture appropriation thing either. Like I I don't I don't care. Like if you know, if you're a woman and you want to wear a traditional Chinese dress or an uh, Indian sari or whatever, I don't I have no problem with you want to dress up for Halloween like something, go ahead. But I think as a leader of a nation, you're, you're uh, obligated to at least act a little dignified. And he doesn't. But it's just so striking to see, you know, the inability to defend policy decisions, the inability to defend the actions and the results of policies that the progressive left have implemented is mind-boggling and has never been more clear. There's been never been a, a clearer example than this exchange, than this Canadian taxpayer saying like, hey, what, what's the deal with all the money? How are you paying for that? And the response being, just by asking that question, you are a racist who has no place in this entire province of an entire country. And I thought it was odd. He kept saying he was a, he, he said he's a proud Quebecer. Not saying he was a proud Canadian. Very strange. You know, it'd be like Donald Trump giving a speech in New York State and having a disagreement with somebody and saying there's no that they're racist and there's no place for them in New York and that he's a proud New Yorker. Like, I guess, I guess you are, but, you know, once you've been elected leader of a country, you might want to identify as that first <laughs> with the entire country, not with your province. The whole thing was bizarre. But ultimately, the takeaway is that these policies that aren't working... And not to say you can't have immigration, but there's a smart way to do it, like tariffs, like border security, like deportations. There's a smart way to do it. And what we're doing now is not a smart way to do it. Just willy-nilly letting tons of people in the country without really finding out who they are, what their deal is, or giving them time to assimilate is not the right way to do it. Obviously. But we can't even get the left who's in favor of, of unlimited migration, I guess is the best way to put it. Unrestricted, unregulated migration. Are unwilling or unable to defend that stance. But they're more than happy to call you a racist if you have a question about it. <laughs> I have questions about how do we keep 
people who are coming across our border from just coming over here to milk the system. I've never heard anyone explain that. I have questions about how, if you're in favor of open borders, do you keep out rapists and murderers and drug dealers, which I'm assuming we all would like to do. I'm assuming we don't want terrorists in our country. I'm assuming we don't want rapists to come here and rape American citizens, or, or I guess in most cases when it happens, especially in the U.S., it's their own community. So it's other illegal migrants who are being raped and brutalized by people. Like, how do we prevent that? Nope, you're a racist. You can't ask those questions. And I think it's a sign of the, it's partly the sign of the tribal nature of the times. Like we've split off into teams, like I've just said before. And, and so if you're questioning anything, you're on the wrong, you're on the other team. So you're an enemy. So that's part of it. But then part of it is there is no plan. There's no defense. It's just compassion, unlimited, unleashed upon society. And while compassion can be a good thing, too much compassion can be a disaster. And that's what we're seeing, right? Like the mama bear of the progressive left. Destroy anybody who in any way, shape, or form threatens the team. There was a protest this weekend somewhere, and I, I you know, you know, you know you're not going to get the hard news from me. You're not getting all the facts. So you got to go look it up yourself. But there was a protest somewhere this weekend, and Antifa attacked a Bernie Sanders supporter carrying an American flag, and they hit him in the head with a baseball bat. <laughs> That's just carrying an American flag outdoors is so triggering to the far left that they're willing to hit you in the head with a baseball bat, even though you're on their side. There you go. That's where we're at. That's the level of discourse we have in the country. I cannot help but think it's not going to get better. There's no sign of anything happening to make it better. I don't think that... There's not a unifying leader that's going to emerge. There's not a compromised position that would make both sides happy. There's no spirit of compromise, the idea we're going to work together to solve problems. None of that exists. And I can't help but think that we're going to stay where we're at until something happens to make it worse. There's going to be some kind of an event. And uh, it's just going to get worse. And I think that's a sad place to be. But having a prime minister who can't defend his own policies in a public setting is a, is a bad place to be, too. And to have a leader of a country call someone racist who hasn't mentioned race, who simply mentioned money, federal budget spending, is a, is a bad place to be. So listen, I hope you all have a fantastic day today. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. Please tell a friend. Anything you want to say to me, questions, comments, concerns, hit me up on Twitter at Dennis M. Brown, D-E-N-I-S. I had somebody the other day ask me if I had heartburn <laughs> because of something they heard in my voice. And I have no idea what they, I've listened to my own voice. I don't know. I'm not saying it's the greatest voice of all time, but I really don't know where the heartburn comment came from. So I do not have heartburn. But apparently I sound like I do. So anything at all you want to, like I said, any questions, any comments about the podcast, feel free to contact me there on Twitter. Have a fantastic evening. Or if you're listening tomorrow on Wednesday, have a fantastic Wednesday. And we'll talk to you tomorrow.